Today's reading from Matthew is intriguing and a bit puzzling. We might even find it challenging. Firstly, because Jesus is less than eager to help someone directly pleading him for their, his help. Secondly, because other than Jesus, the main character of this event is a Canaanite woman in the area of Tyre and Sidon, a region where paganism and opposition to Jews would make it a very unfriendly place for Jesus. At the beginning of this passage, we're told by Matthew that Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. It is thought he may have been weary from discussions with the Pharisees and teachers of the law and dealing with the masses of people who'd been waiting for him when he and the disciples came ashore at Gennesaret on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. If you remember just before this uh, was when Jesus calmed the storm, when he was out in the boat with the disciples, and this is where they come ashore. He was immediately greeted by the Canaanite woman, for word about Jesus had incredibly spread to Tyre and Sidon. And we're not told that he had performed any signs in this region before meeting with her. Yet she was waiting for him. And somehow she recognises him, and not just as a roaming healer, but as rightful king. The woman addresses Jesus as Lord, Son of David. This recognition is all the more extraordinary in view of the slowness of the disciples to recognise him as such. They do after he walked on water, but it is not until after this meeting with the Canaanite woman that Peter declares Jesus as Messiah. At first, Jesus does not say a word to her. Then he explains his mission is first to the lost sheep of Israel. And the disciples, tired of hearing the woman's cries for help, urge Jesus to send her away. At that point, the woman does something that is significant in Matthew's Gospel. She kneels before him as one would, would when greeting a king. The Magi, who are also Gentiles, are the first to worship Jesus in this way. As will the mother of James and John later, when she asks if her two sons might sit on both the right and his left side when he's in his kingdom. Kneeling is not only a sign of kingship, but it's also a recognition of power. Matthew is showing us the connection between those who kneel before Jesus and the healings that Jesus performs, the signs that point to the power of God. This woman kneels be because she recognises not only the one who will sit on the throne of David, but also the one who has power over evil, the one who can end the suffering of her demon-possessed daughter. So she persists. Lord, help me, she asks. The Canaanite woman is not deterred, even having her status compared to a family's dog, and declares that even the dog enjoys crumbs that fall from the table. A striking statement, for she is placing hope 
in what others have thrown away, the leftover crumbs. This son of David has so much power that there is enough for the house of Israel and more than enough left over for her. And she understands this. She's not trying to interfere with his mission. The woman just wants a crumb, knowing that even a crumb will be powerful enough to defeat the demon that possesses her daughter. You see, she was being rational in front of Jesus. Because of her true faith in the Lord, she believed he had the power to heal her daughter. The Canaanite woman, without any doubt, believed the substance of Jesus, the Lord, was God, and she was putting her faith in him. This is why she shows no resentment or complains. Quite simply, since she regarded Jesus as her Lord and her God, she didn't care how she was viewed, because it did not alter her faith in him at any point. Even when she was likened to a dog in front of the disciples, she could put her own image aside, not caring how others saw her. Nothing restrained her, especially not the disciples asking Jesus to send her away. Jesus saw her great faith and praised her for it and granted her wish by healing her daughter. When we compare the attitude held by the chief priests, scribes and Pharisees, who apparently all served God in the temple, towards Jesus with that of this Canaanite woman, it is actually quite shocking. They never sought to wonder or investigate whether Jesus and his new work was the coming Messiah, the one that they had been waiting for. Instead, they tried every excuse to resist and condemn him, and when his ministry and teaching did not conform to their ideas and practices, they did this with more enthusiasm. Instead of humbly seeking and questioning the possibility of God's presence and work among them, they acted irreverently and arrogantly, and with unbending judgment, decided that God did not work this way or that way. They knew better. They were the keepers of the religious law, and that's how it had to be. It was only Nicodemus who sought out Jesus in an effort to understand what was happening, what it meant, and who Jesus might be. Compared to the Pharisees and religious establishment, the Canaanite woman was just an unclean Gentile, with no social position or any knowledge of the Jewish scriptures or religious law. She was unclean. She was the lowest of the low. But her godliness and attitude was far above them, even though they had served God for years. This is why her great faith was praised by Jesus, her certainty that he has power enough to save her non-Israelite daughter. The Canaanite woman has grasped that Jesus is not just the hope for Israel, but hope for the whole world. And it is her faith that shows us that the boundary of unclean and clean, dividing the Gentiles from Israel, 
is a shaky one. With a faith so pure, how could she be deemed unclean? And by being unclean, unworthy of God's love. In this encounter, we are being prepared by Matthew for Jesus' great commission to go out and make disciples of all nations. And surely it reminds us that God is in the unsettling business of meeting outsiders. Not only meeting them, but granting them not just a crumb, but a place at the table. And maybe reminding the church today that God is constantly calling it to break boundaries and invite all those outsiders to the table. The faith of the Canaanite woman is something we can hold close to support us. She was rational before Jesus. Without any doubt, she believed the substance of Jesus. The Lord was God. This was how she stood firm. How do we do this throughout life's storms and the day-to-day -day buffeting? We waver a bit, don't we? From time to time, we wobble. And yet, there is an obvious answer. We can't exactly call Jesus up on the telephone or God on the telephone and say, hey, what are you doing? You're not helping me. But we can go to our Bibles. We can go to Scripture. And we can hang on to God's Word with a firm grip. It is reliable, and what's more, it's portable. We are all able to have it with us every day in any situation. It comes in all shapes and sizes. It's small enough for a pocket. You can fit it into a bag. So how do we do this? How do we hang on in life's storms? We hang on to God's word. I've not spoken about the reading from Isaiah this morning. It was taken from chapter 56. So let me end with the main message of this chapter from Isaiah. Although we don't have this message in today's reading, but the message of chapter 56 is that the Lord means us to guard our hearts by filtering our emotions, our desires, our thoughts, and our responses through his word. He is the watchman that protects our souls. He does this through his word. Our primary defense is scripture, and clearly Paul thought the same thing. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul sets out the attributes of God as armor, protection to be put on by Christians every day. For according to Paul, the life of a Christian, let alone the human frailties and the life, the reality of life from day to day, the life of a Christian was quite dangerous. Therefore, he encouraged us to put on the armour of God. Tomorrow is Monday, and I would suggest maybe try it out. Tomorrow morning, not knowing what the week is going to bring, go to Ephesians chapter 6 and read from verses 10 to 18.
and see if it has anything for you. Amen.